the best in Bitcoin made audible. You're listening to Bitcoin Audible with Guy Swan. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. We have got a read from Bitcoin Magazine today. Uh, this one literally just dropped in my lap, so I'm actually moving the one I was in the middle of recording uh, to tomorrow. And this one's by Nick Newman, um, again on Bitcoin Magazine. Nick Newman is the, uh, he's with uh, Casa, is, the, is he the CEO? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's the, he's the CEO of Casa, the uh, multi-sig uh, wallet platform. I've been using their wallet forever. It's a great mobile wallet, and I particularly like how they use uh, like how they store their keys because I can actually get it back and aside from the whole multi-sig thing I can get it back just by logging into uh, the Casa app and like my Casa membership and my uh, Apple ID even if I lose my phone so I really like that as a solution to uh, basic key loss for a mobile wallet without having to give someone your keys um, and you know I'll explain that actually a little bit further in the commentary. But leave that aside, uh, let's go ahead and get into the article. It's a pretty short article, but it's a really good one and a uh, really interesting take that I think will be something really fun to dive into uh, discussion-wise. Uh, so let's go ahead and hit this piece, again on Bitcoin Magazine by Nick Newman. It is titled, Bitcoin, More Than an Inflation Hedge. In May, billionaire hedge fund manager Paul Tudor Jones of Tudor Investment Corp. announced in a letter to investors that his fund is buying Bitcoin futures as a hedge against, quote, the great monetary inflation. In his letter, he argued that the $3.9 trillion, or 6.6% of global GDP, printed by central banks since February, has the potential to trigger widespread inflation once the global economy rebounds from the shocks caused by COVID-19. Bitcoin's capped supply is one of its most well-known features, and it is regularly cited as a hedge against inflation caused by government money printing. Most people don't know that Bitcoin has another attribute that acts as a hedge against a far larger risk. Bitcoin can be self-custodied, meaning the owner has full control and does not need to rely on any third party, such as a bank, to complete transactions. People inherently understand the value of self-custody, even in traditional assets. In times of risk, people seek to hold more cash and physical gold because they grant the holder full control simply by being held. At the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis, physical gold actually sold out as people rushed to buy it. Self-custody of Bitcoin is easier to achieve than the self-custody of either gold or cash. Physical settlement is cheap and efficient due to Bitcoin being entirely digital, and it's easy to cryptographically verify authenticity. All of this is much more difficult for gold, which is part of why Bitcoin's self-custody is so attractive. Bitcoin held in self-custody runs on an entirely separate financial system than the traditional one, making it a systemic hedge. 
In other words, Bitcoin is not only a hedge against inflation, it's a hedge against failure of modern financial infrastructure, such as banks, clearing and settlement networks, foreign exchange markets, and payment rails. Bitcoin held in derivatives or on exchanges is not held in self-custody, and therefore it doesn't have the same systemic hedging properties. Why not? Because Bitcoin held with a custodian is subject to approvals by that custodian. If the custodian is an integrated part of the traditional financial system, the Bitcoin it holds is part of the traditional financial system as well. Those coins can be frozen in times of market stress or seized by governments. The threat of seizure may be small today, but in a world where the value of Bitcoin increases significantly, like the Tudor letter predicts, that threat could increase alongside Bitcoin's value. Needless to say, Bitcoin can't be a hedge against the system if a large financial institution that is part of the system is holding it. Is systemic risk actually worth worrying about? It's more of a risk than most people think. Sovereign debt crises and currency failures often go hand-in-hand hand with times of high inflation, as fellow billionaire hedge fund manager Ray Dalio pointed out in his latest post, The Changing Value of Money. In recent sovereign debt crises, such as in Lebanon today or in Cyprus in 2013, assets have been both frozen and seized, not to mention lost outright in bank failures. Just a few weeks ago, the FDIC reminded U.S. citizens via a creepy video that it's perfectly safe to keep your cash in the bank. These are uncertain times, and we aren't sure whether current global fiscal policy will save us from this crisis or carry us inexorably into a deeper one. But if you're investing in Bitcoin to hedge against the unknown, doesn't it make sense to reap the benefits of all of its hedging attributes? If your answer is yes, it's time to take advantage of self-custody. This is a guest post by Nick Newman, CEO of Casa. Opinions expressed are entirely his own and do not necessarily reflect those of BTC Inc. or Bitcoin Magazine. All right, so um, uh, like I said, this is a short little article, uh, but it's a really good one, and it is one of the most important things. This is, this is one of the attributes of Bitcoin that genuinely I think is most appealing in its nature that it has its own financial rails. It is an entirely separate system. And I want to talk a little bit, of, little bit further about what I mean by that, what Nick means by that, and exactly how important that is um, in the fact that we actually have that in the digital space, which truly has never existed before this. So uh, let's go ahead and hit our sponsor, and we will uh, get right back into it. So this concept really is kind of where, um, it, you know, it's kind of core to the idea of the whole not your keys, not your coins. Um, and, you know, if somebody else is holding it, then they are the ones who hold your keys. You know, like they are the, the ones in control. You're totally um, uh, at their depend. You're totally dependent on them as a service and their financial rails to actually move or take ownership um, of your coins, of your value, to have access to your value. Uh, it is totally permissioned in the custodial atmosphere. But something that I think that the flip side of uh, that 
the, of that phrase, not your keys, not your coins, that I think is unbelievably uh, profound. It's one of the things that are, it's so fascinating to me. And one of the most impactful things about Bitcoin, in my opinion, is the flip side of that, that coin, is that your keys, your coins. That, that literally, if you are holding the, your keys, you have custody of your coins, they are 100% and absolutely yours. And it's not permissioned at all. And you can send them anywhere in the world to or from anyone. You can carry them in your head. They are literally just a piece of information. And if you keep that piece of information safe, um, that, that secret, then they are genuinely your coins. End of story. No one else can access them. It is a form of property rights in the digital space that there is no authority whatever involved in it. It is property rights at the individual level secured by a mathematical proof. Then there's no way to fake it. Like it just is according to Bitcoin. And as a systemic hedge, um, it's, it's hard to express how important that is is that the, the rails, the transfer, the ownership, the guarantees, the authenticity, all of it is absolutely separate from the financial system. The financial system itself, even the infrastructure, is highly unreliable during credit crises, during political turmoil, during liquidity crises, all these things that we are in the midst of. Banking systems are, in, are historically terrible at actually providing a service like in Cyprus and like if we have any examples to go from like there's there's not been any in which normal uh traditional just whenever you want it access is guaranteed or is enabled like these things are inherently a credit crisis is about the fact that inherently the the system itself is coming to terms with your money isn't actually there so Obviously, if you have money in that system, you're going to have limited or outright no access whatever to it at some point. Like that there is going to come a point where we realize that our liabilities vastly outweigh our actual assets, our actual productivity, the actual cash that we have. And when we want it, it's not going to be there. Like, that is necessarily so. We are, this is the whole reason we are moving into this crisis. This is the whole reason that we have this massive imbalance. Because everything we think we have, we don't actually have. So an alternative system, one completely external to it, you realize if the entire Federal Reserve system went offline, that we could not transfer money, we could not look into our bank accounts, all the, bank, all the banking networks and stuff went offline, Bitcoin would still be operating. You could still send a transaction. Yes, it's, you know, the operation with the exchanges and moving deposits in and out or whatever would not be working. But you could still check that your Bitcoin were there. You could still check that you indeed had them. You could still memorize them and leave the country. Memorize the seed, that is. You could still transact. You can still transfer somebody in open time. You can still send a lightning transaction. Like... If all the other payment networks went down, that genuinely does not affect any of the value or any of the actual ownership that I have 
in the Bitcoin network. Obviously, prices would fluctuate, but you don't really have a market to find a price on. So you don't have discovery. You just have one option and as a use of money. But your Bitcoins can't be frozen. They cannot be seized or confiscated on the network. Your transactions can't be censored. Your past ownership, the, the, the coins that you own and that are on the chain, cannot be contested by anyone. And Bitcoin will continue to produce blocks. You know, TikTok next block. And on top of all of that, yes, it's also an inflation hedge. But that in and of itself may not be the most important problem to solve. In the short term, I mean, like during the middle of, like during the heat of a crisis, short-term inflation may be a lot less important than whether or not you can literally move your money. It may very well be that Bitcoin has its own infrastructure, that it is literally an alternative foundation, that at every 10 minutes, it just keeps chugging out blocks. It keeps producing uh, additional security to all Bitcoin held. And you know, this, this also brings back to the whole concept of money. What is the value and the role of money in society? And I love, he doesn't talk on this at all specifically in this article, but he alludes to something that, um, uh, possibly unconsciously, um, that we've talked about on the show that is about the yield from money held uh, reconsidered. I think that's a piece by Mises, if I'm not mistaken. Let me, let me look it up. But it's about um, that the very holding of money is part of its value. Like it is in, as a hedge against uncertainty, as a mechanism that uh, you are maintaining value in that it is totally your own. Oh, it was Hans Hermann Hoppe. Uh, Hans Hermann Hoppe, not Mises. Um, but uh, it's a great piece about what money does, like about the fact that when you are holding money, you are actually using money for its most important utility, the transfer of wealth into the future and the sole uh, certain ownership that it's yours. To hold money is because you don't really know what the hell the future is going to bring. You don't know if this person's promise or this institution or bank's promise is going to hold up. So you hold your money. You hold something that you know will maintain value, that you know can't be inflated, that you know can't be confiscated, that you know when you have it, it is yours. You can check and prove that that is the thing uh, th that you own. And that there is a unique good, there are unique goods on the market that can do this that none others can. This is an extremely uh, specific set of characteristics that together produce an incredibly powerful market good. The most important, actually, the one that becomes the medium of specialization, the one that um, uh, becomes the most accurate in uh, measuring and making sense of value in the, in, the, in, the, in the economy, the ultimate hedge, the ultimate and most liquid good. And to have an entirely different set of infrastructure, an entirely different, like we have nodes, miners, exchanges and peer-to-peer -peer websites, relays, pooled networks, loop-in, loop-out services, lightning channels, all of these things. This is infrastructure. These, these are pieces, th these are all 
pieces of a distributed computing system that are maintaining a financial infrastructure that will not shut down in the face of incredible turmoil or chaos in the banking system. But that only works. You can only take advantage of it if you are holding your own keys. Otherwise, you are in the traditional banking system with a promise that one day you could exit into the Bitcoin system. But it is not at all. It does not even close give you the guarantees and the, the core value proposition of Bitcoin itself. But like I've said a, for a long time, I think we're going to see an infrastructure inversion that Bitcoin is going to be that bottom rail, that ultimate settlement network, and that we're going to build so many different layers on top of this thing because it is inevitably going to be the more reliable, the one that doesn't shut down, the one that doesn't have banking hours, the one that doesn't have permissioned transactions, the one that is not subject to the political stability of any particular region. And in a time, a time, a clearly pivotal moment in history where there is political stability all over the place, there's protests and riots all over the world. We've got COVID-19. Um, we've got the most divisive elections everywhere. We've, we're clearly losing the freedom of speech in a handful of different, uh, in a different ways, um, where uh, there are negative interest rates all across the financial system. All major governments are pushing the price of debts below zero to try to prop this thing up, where we have money printing from every major central bank to the tune of trillions of dollars, and there is absolutely no end in sight. Do you think we're going to, like, now we've finished it and everything's stable and we're going to come out of this? No. This is going to be massive amounts more money printing. Uh, where there's currency crises in multiple countries right now, and little think, little reason to think they're going to get any less common. Now capital controls are increasing. We're seeing more and more divisions between previously friendly states and countries. There's antagonism across the board. Um, you, you don't think that that money, that the banking system, is going to be used as a weapon? They've been doing it for a very long time, and the precedent is already getting worse. And then we've set bad precedent with COVID-19. They're going to so easily tell us that, you know, you can't go to the store or hang out with your friends or go to the park. Do you think they're going to suddenly have restraint and think, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this when they figure out that you taking your money out of the bank could possibly destroy them? You think you think they're going to be like, oh, well, we can't do that. That's not right. No, they're going to happily and aggressively tell you that you can't have your money. And then you have Bitcoin, both a hedge against inflation and a hedge against systemic failure of the entire financial system at the same time. That's a ticket that's hard to find. And it's digital. There's only one of those. No matter what happens to the price in the short term, um, and ignoring any perceived volatility, which hadn't been any volatility lately, has been boring. <laughs> Knock on wood, I guess. But even with all of that, the guarantees that Bitcoin can provide are unmatched. And I think it's, uh, and that's why I tell people, I try to explain about the not your keys, not your coins thing. 
uh, because it is so important for people to realize that um, Bitcoin is powerful for its greatest strength is not just that it has a strong independent monetary policy, but that it's the entire system of Bitcoin is independent. Everything you do and every way that you interact with it has nothing to do with whether or not your bank, your political system, the capital controls, the local authorities, anyone at all gives you permission. So make sure you're holding your own coins. You know, it's okay to, um, if you want something liquid to be able to move into and out of your bank account, um, an exchange or cash app or swan or, uh, well, I guess swan is just a buy only. They don't let you sell because that's against their religion. <laughs> but having a little bit like accessible into the legacy system, not a problem. You know, do that thinking of it like an extremely hot wallet that is at high risk and you better not have more in there than you are prepared to lose. For the rest of it, for that which is important to your survival if the banking system has massive problems or your political system becomes unstable, you better have your own keys for the bulk of your wealth. That is what makes Bitcoin powerful. That is its most extraordinarily unique use case that almost nothing else can provide. And it is not something to be ignored. That's why it's important to learn how to hold your keys, to, to learn what these things mean, because that is the true hedge. That is the true security that Bitcoin can give you. Not your keys, not your coins, your keys, your coins. Um, oh, and, and just because I mentioned earlier, uh, Nick Newman, uh, CEO of Casa, I was talking about that wallet. Um, the mobile wallet, the way that actually works is your key is encrypted on your wallet. So you can use their like multi-signature thing with the gold membership, which I do have. Um, if you're trying to store you know, a lot of money that you want accessible on your uh, mobile phone. But uh, even just the normal mobile wallet that is just a single key is actually split up. So you, you sign up with just your email on Casa, and then obviously you have an Apple ID or a Google Play ID, you know, whatever it is. Um, and uh, then the wallet encrypts that key and stores half of it encrypted with Casa and half of it encrypted with Google or uh, Google Drive or Apple, iCloud, you know, whatever it is. So if you lose your phone, you can still just log into your Apple ID and then log into your Casa account, get both of those um, uh, copies of the key and uh, get them right back on your phone. So it, it's not limited to, it's not stuck to that device. Um, and I, th I thought that was really neat. And that's actually the main reason that I hang on to that uh, mobile wallet is just because I like the idea of thinking that anything that I have in there, there's not really any other setup process. I literally just reinstall the app on a new phone, log into Casa, log into my Apple ID, and then boom, there's my wallet. Um, so, so that's what that's something that I really love about that wallet, and I wish more services would actually take advantage of that. Um, because you know sometimes I'll put money into a wallet that I'm playing around with, and I always think, oh, I gotta make sure I back up my seed. I gotta be really careful about all of this stuff. It's just nice to have something where I feel like um, there's, there's an extra layer of protection against a problem or hardware failure or, of course, dropping my phone in the toilet or whatever it is. 
So uh, with that, guys, let's go ahead and close this one out. Um, a big thank you to Nick Newman and Bitcoin Magazine, obviously, for uh, this article. This literally just dropped, and I thought this was just a great little piece because the systemic hedge, like the fact that Bitcoin is its own financial infrastructure and it is paying for and uh, creating its own financial infrastructure and nodes and miners and Lightning Network and uh, all this stuff is just such a fascinating thing to me, and it's, it's such an interesting element to dig into. So a huge thank you to all of those guys for producing this article and hosting it and everything, uh, and of course for sharing this out with the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network. Um, and if you want to support the show, the best way you can do that is actually just to support yourself to get your Bitcoin savings plan at swanbitcoin.com slash guy. That will get you $10 free. It gives me a couple of free sats and uh, obviously bragging rights that I uh, sent you to them. And I actually just had my auto buy come in last night. So I stacked another $50 worth of Bitcoin this week. And I gotta say, it feels good. And it auto withdraws back to my keys. So I'm only trusting, I'm only ever trusting them with as much as I choose to do so. Um, and, you know, and, you know, they want that. They want you to hold your own keys because they know how important that is. So that's, that's another great reason to use Swan. And with that, uh, the final way that you can help support this show is you can always donate um, on the website. And if you do or you become a patron, don't forget to hit me up. Uh, we'd love to have you in the Telegram group. Hang out, talk about Bitcoin, talk about the best articles. Uh, this was actually Phil actually uh, recommended this one and let me know that this one had dropped. So a huge thank you to him for uh, noticing this because, again, I love this topic. And then share it out with everybody you know in the Bitcoin and crypto economy space. Everybody who's interested in learning about Bitcoin, learning about how to hold their own keys and what that means. Uh, that's what Bitcoin Audible is here for. That's what the crypto economy is. Uh, so, uh, yeah, don't forget to share it out with everybody you know. And until next time, I am Guy Swan. Thank you so much for listening. Take it easy, guys. Thank you.